Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about The Revolution of Bertie Randolph by Brandy Colbert. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, and so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out the new novel yet. I'm Amanda Thrasher. I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. And our guest today is Nikea Jalin, a teacher and co-host of the YouTube book review series, Black Girl Lit. Hi, Nikea. Hello. How are y'all doing? Good. So good. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on your first week back to school. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I took a little nap before, so I think I'm ready to go. <laughs> it's like required after a day of teaching, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those back to school naps, very important. So I want to know all the things. So I know that you have a minor in children's lit, and I know you have a ton of literature experience. We talked before the podcast, and I know you're teaching this class on African-American lit, and you've been a reader for a long time. But yes. specifically, can you tell us about your YouTube series? Um, so the YouTube series started with Jasmine and myself. We decided that we wanted to form a book club, and it was just us two. Jasmine actually came up with the idea to do the reviews, and we came up with the name Black Girl Lit, and it's kind of a play on words because whenever we do the book reviews, we are drinking adult libations. <laughs> <laughs> so depending on how much we consume, the videos can get very interesting. And uh, we actually plan on shifting our video series into a podcast since Wait. I'm in a different state. So she's in North Carolina. I'm in Virginia. So you all are getting the exclusive on that. So Black Girl Lit will be coming to a podcast near Woo. you very soon. <laughs> that is so exciting. And you have yeah. a rating system. Which is the yes. best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes from sober to buzz to tipsy. Um, and then our top rating is lit. <laughs> We've been reading books mostly by women of color. So not just black women, but women from all colors, backgrounds, races, you know, just trying to talk about the diversity in literature. And it's super fun. And everybody <laughs> should check that out. You and Jasmine have reviewed two of Brandy's books already. You've reviewed yes. Point, which was her debut, and more recently, her middle grade, Little and Lion. So coming into her newest book, which we're talking about today, The Revolution of Bertie Randolph, what were you hoping for? I was, first of all, excited to read this book. And I was just hoping, I guess, to see growth in Brandy's writing. Because in our review of the first one, we were like, we could tell, you know, this was kind of her first book. And just to see how she has progressed as a writer and I was just excited to see a main character, of course, that is African-American and to see what kind of story she was going to tell, because Brandy doesn't tell what I would call just the quote unquote typical or standard African-American story. She always brings in something that's going to get a conversation started. Cool. So let's start our conversation. Dove Bertie Randolph has tried hard to live up to her parents' expectations. She's at the top of her class, she works hard, and she even quit playing soccer to make more time for schoolwork. She seems to be the perfect daughter, but Bertie has a secret. She's seeing a boy named Booker, a boy who's been in juvie and Bertie's sure her parents won't approve. When her estranged Aunt Carlene comes to town, Bertie's life gets even more complicated. 
Carlene's in recovery, but Bertie's mother still braces herself for the moment when it will all come crashing down. Can Bertie help her mother and her aunt come back together? Can she find a way to make her parents understand Booker? And can she cope with the truths she uncovers along the way? So, Amanda, what did you think of this book? I really enjoyed this book. I was very captivated from the beginning, and I was even warned off of it because uh, Danielle <laughs> hands this to me, and she's like, just so you know, it's kind of boring at the beginning. I started reading it. I was like, what is she talking about? Like, so much is happening. It was great. Way to out me. I am absolutely outing you. Nikea, what did you think of this book? I enjoyed this book. I feel like one reason I enjoyed it is because it just built up. It just kept piling on and getting better. It was like, I have to keep reading. I could not put it down. Like, I want to know what happens next. I enjoyed it. How about you, Danielle? (laughs) Danielle? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was fine, just fine. I think that it will find a home in any classroom library. Not all books are for all people, (laughs) y'all. This is true. I loved the Chicago setting, a place I've always wanted to live. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that. I almost went to grad school there. And I thought it was a super cool detail to mention her dad's job in sports medicine for the Chicago Bulls. I was like, yeah, (laughs) that's so great. What a cool detail. Yeah, I thought that was really fun and interesting, too. And being able to have that like front row seats to the Bulls. Yeah, I I like that. And to highlight like his intelligence, you know. He's a doctor and he works for the Bulls. Like, that's just like a double, a double blessing. I yeah, guess. <laughs> it's like the best of the doctors. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I had never thought much about sports medicine and the life of someone whose loved one is in sports medicine and how he's gone all the time. Right. I also liked the salon setting. Yeah, the salon, especially, you know, in the African-American community, is just like a a place of bonding. It's almost like therapy sometimes, too, when you're getting your hair done. You know, people confess to their hairstylist. Yeah. People socialize (laughs) in the salon. So it was a really good part of it, especially the fact that it was like right under their house. I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was interesting uh, reading this in comparison to uh, another book that was around a salon that I'd read pretty recently, Americana. Have either of y'all read that one? I haven't. Am reading. So a lot of it takes <laughs> place in a salon, but it's um, reading it, it feels like it's a more low rent salon than this mm-hmm. one is. Like this one, you read it and you feel like, oh, this is like a really like nice establishment. Like her mother like right. puts a lot of effort into it and like yeah, they've built this whole community in there. I think a reason why this salon in this novel feels a little more, I guess to you, I haven't read the book, but you say like kind of high class is because Bertie's mom like polices the conversations. You oh, know, yeah. she, I think mean, one rule is like they can't talk about politics whatsoever and they can't curse. And whenever Bertie is there, she's like cutting her eyes at the customers to make sure that they're not saying anything off the wall. Which, let's just talk about, don't curse in front of my 16-year-old daughter. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> but I think yeah, that who's... that goes to, like, illustrate her mother's controlling tendencies. Oh, absolutely. Like, it was yes. a great character detail. Yeah. Her mom is, like, the uber-perfectionist. Yeah. To the point where I'm just... I was literally, like I said before in the book, my first thought was, like, I hate her mom. Like... <laughs> Let Birdie go. Just, oh my goodness. It was like Birdie was an actual bird and her mom was trying to clip <gasps> her wings instead of 
letting her fly. That's it, exactly. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, so Birdie's mom is, like, hyper-controlling. Like, the reason that she quit soccer is because her mother demanded her quit soccer after she got a B on a test. Also, more than that, like, her mom demanded she quit soccer because she didn't have any real aptitude for it. So, like, there was no hope of her getting a scholarship from it. Like, it wasn't... The worst. Oh, like... Can't she just enjoy soccer? Yeah. I think it also, it was interesting to read it because I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, but every college admissions person wants well-rounded kids. Like, why would you pull her out of this extracurricular? They love extracurriculars. Exactly. They will take a B average student with extracurriculars over an A student who's done nothing outside of school. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Louder yeah. for the students in the back. <laughs> for the parents <laughs> in the back. I don't think the students need convincing. Right. <laughs> so you hated her mom, you said. Yes. How did you feel about the role of her father in fostering this controlling environment, but not being the enforcer? For me, he was very passive, but he kind of was also, I guess, a warrior for Birdie to kind of smooth out her mom's edges. Um, Like when she got on punishment one time, her mom wanted to take her phone and her dad was able to convince her mom, like, okay, don't take her phone. You know, that's a little bit extreme. So he tried to insert where he could, but okay, I'm not going to say anymore. Spoiler. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So that's a hint of what's to come. (laughs) So this book is called The Revolution of Bertie Randolph. It's right in the title. So we don't consider this a spoiler. And we said in the summary that she is seeing this boy named Booker. There's this weird, like, they're not really dating at the beginning of the book, but, like, they yeah. are. Come on. You're dating. It's fine. They're courting. <laughs> they're, they're pre-dating. And Birdie starts sneaking out. Scandalous. Ooh, scandalous. She sneaks <laughs> out. Like, my primary issue with Birdie sneaking out was that, I felt like the act of her sneaking out and how she was going to accomplish that and all of these things took more time and focus than actually talking about who Booker was and the things that he had gone through in his life, which I found to be more interesting, but took up less narrative time. So I would have Uh, liked to see more devoted to him. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of like a buildup to him finally telling Birdie like what was going on with him. So I want to push back against like, it's a common ground to retread and it's not like worthwhile to spend the time on this. I think it's hugely worthwhile because this character arc is about Birdie and how she learns to respond to pushing against her mother's restraints. You know, when you begin reading this book that this is an untenable situation and you know that she's going to find a way outside of it somehow, like she's got to start somewhere you know, and I think that it's an important part of her character to go from this section of like, how can I still keep the status quo and get what I want versus how can I change the way that my life is structured to be a more complete person? So I think that this is like an important first step in like Birdie becoming more autonomous and like in control of her own life. I can see that. I do think that her sneaking out is a necessary part of it because, you know, I feel like when the novel starts off, you just have this picture painted of this perfect girl who's getting good grades, who does everything that her mom says. 
And then it goes along with the title, you know, the revolution, you know, with her going against the grain and coming into herself and having some more agency over her life is necessary to the story. So another big part of the story that we talked about in the description is that Birdie's aunt, Carlene, comes to stay with them after coming out of rehab. And Birdie is kind of like piecing together the history of all of this. And I thought that this was very difficult to read as an adult who has like seen addiction in the way that it relates to loved ones. Like, seeing how Birdie doesn't understand, like, why don't they give Carlene a break? Like, why are they always waiting for the worst thing to happen? Because she doesn't have this history of two steps forward and one step back, like, for decades. And I thought that it was very different to read that as an adult who has this baggage of, like, what addiction is, what it does to people. And, like, I thought it was refreshing to, like, read it from Birdie's perspective Because she just doesn't know why people don't just trust Carlene. Right. I really liked this part. I think Brandy really infused Birdie with a lot of optimism that, like you said, it's harder to have as an adult. We've talked before on the podcast about kids who have experience with addiction in their family from loved ones and things like that. And maybe like needing an escape from that or optimism about that or just a lot of different roles that books play in helping kids deal with their loved ones who are facing addiction. Yeah. And I like the fact that Birdie, she's more embracing of her aunt than, you know, anybody else. I think there was a line where she said she felt like she was the only one that wanted her here. You can see that, you know, Birdie just embraces her aunt. It's like, oh, this is my family. She's here. She's trying to do her best. So, you know, that's that optimism that you were talking about. And I can really appreciate that from Birdie because I kind of I see myself in that way you know I'm that optimistic person and sometimes people can say it comes off as you know naivete but you know if you're putting forth that effort then you know why not embrace you and with that friends we'll take our first break when we come back we'll share about things we like a latte then we'll return to our discussion of the revolution of Birdie Randolph and dig a little deeper Hey friends, are you looking for an easy way to support this podcast? Order our book choices through the affiliate link in our show notes. You'll be supporting our authors and making sure we get a small kickback to keep our show going. Next up, we'll be discussing Pet by Akweke Amezi. If you'd like to help us keep bringing you great content, order through the link in our show notes. Happy reading! Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? So one day I'm going to stop doing lattes that Amanda introduces me to, but really she's my link to the world, so. (laughs) (laughs) But it's okay, because I evolved my thoughts on this beyond just liking it. So my brew of choice this week is the video that came out in February of the dog watching the post stampede scene of the lion king i don't want to spoil the i lion think you king. can spoil the lion king like i feel like we're in a safe window for okay. lion king spoilers. 25 years yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> fine 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 spoilers ahead so the dog is watching mufasa die and simba 
react to that and realize what's happened. And the dog is having just this like really like empathetic, visceral reaction. And I've been thinking all day about how much it took for that dog to have that reaction because Mm -hmm. dogs are extremely empathetic, but they're usually the most empathetic to their owners. And this dog's owner was like laughing the whole time. So like (laughs) definitely not that. Screens are not made for dogs' eyes. Like many dogs can't even process what's on a screen and it actually has to do with the snout size and i'm not gonna like dive all the way in well here. you went in <laughs> but, you did you went there you're here now yeah well okay but like our dog can't really process things that are on a screen so the dog in the video had to like be able to process the things on the screen have a different empathetic response than his owner and that scene is a bunch of yellows and oranges that are not high contrast. And so he also had to interpret those. And it's amazing. And I think that, like, every animal psychologist in training needs to watch this video. And, like, all of our (laughs) listeners, too. It's a great video. Wow, that is so much more than I expected when I saw you write Dog Watching Mufasa Die for your (laughs) personal notes. I love it. How about you, Nakia? (laughs) What's your brew of choice? So I have this app. Actually, one of my Facebook friends introduced it to me. It's called Libby. So you can download it on your phone and you can get digital downloads of books and audiobooks and magazines. And all you need is a library card. What? what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I found this out, I was just a total, I have to have the book in my hand type person. But the quick access to books and being able to listen to books Sometimes while I'm driving, it's awesome. So download the app, Libby on your phone, get a library card, and you have access to thousands of books and audiobooks and magazines. Awesome. Thank you. How about you, Amanda? What do you like a latte? So I just finished this brick of a book that I've been chewing through for about a month and a half, two months. It's called Stamped from the Beginning. The Definitive History of Racist Ideas in America by Ibram X. Kendi. And it is fantastic. It is super in-depth. It goes like all the way back to like the beginnings of the transatlantic slave trade, particularly like the rise of the Portuguese Empire doing it, and like just the ways in which so many great American thinkers and ideas have come from these like very old concepts of like racism and white supremacy and how that has shaped like American policy throughout the centuries and all the places that we could have fixed things and and didn't just like chose absolutely wrong to continue white supremacy and this whole mindset of like the racist structure that we have established today and it's a little dense in the beginning but it is really really good uh, it took me a long time to read but I'm so glad that I did cannot recommend it enough It was Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on The Revolution of Bertie Randolph. The rest of the show will contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back after this quick break. Welcome 
Welcome back, y'all, to the YA Cafe. We're continuing our discussion on The Revolution of Bertie Randolph by Brandy Colbert. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers. Spoilers! <laughs> and plot twists! And plot twists! <laughs> so, in our spoiler section, we had a list of a few things that we wanted to talk about. One of which was that this is a book full of queer, which is great. We are yes, the gay podcast. Right. See, you're owning it now. No, I, I'm teasing you. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So Brandy Colbert is a Stonewall Book Award winner. And, of course, queerness is very important to her. So she represented in this book. Brandy has a gay best friend. His name is Laz. He's mm-hmm. cool. He is her like main connection to Booker and how she organizes all of her sneaking out. Carlene is by. That's awesome. And her ex-boyfriend, Mitchell, ends up maybe being ace. Oh, that's great. I want to go back to Laz. One thing I really appreciated as the queer child of a queer parent is that that was here. Like, Laz's father was gay or trans. I'm not sure. It just said, like, after Laz's father came out and then left. And we don't know anything else about. But either way, I really appreciated that. And, like, the the complexity that adds to his non-queer parent and... I really liked that, and I also really loved, tied in with that, that Bertie was like, you should come out to your mom. Like, your mom's going to love you, blah, blah, blah. And Laz's boyfriend, more or less, tells her, like, maybe this isn't your business. Maybe yeah. you should be quiet. And I liked all of that. I thought it was really well done. Yeah. Because I don't think Bertie realized the layers that it had for Laz, because his dad leaving hurt his mother so much, and he also felt abandoned. And at first I couldn't understand. I was like, Laz is gay too? His dad is gay? Why doesn't he understand? But I feel like Laz has so much love for his mother and he saw the hurt that she went through that he didn't want her to have to go through that again because of him. Yeah, absolutely. And his mother works with Birdie's mother. So Birdie's very close to his mother too. Right. It was an excellently complex side character. Yeah. Secondary characters. We call them in the biz. In the biz. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we mentioned Dove's sister identifies as a lesbian as well. Oh, yep. That's true, too. How did I forget that? (laughs) Yeah. So we have a a lot of queer characters in here, which I can appreciate. I'm all about all types of diversity in literature. And Brandy, she's just been consistent with, you know, keeping queer characters in the forefront of the novels. And they've all been, like, well-developed, you know. I appreciate her writing those characters so well. So her sister Mimi, who left for college and Bertie feels very close to, that was a nice like dynamic to have when Bertie went to talk to her sister about Booker being like, I like this boy, but I don't think mom's going to like him. And her sister got super judgy. Yeah, I was shocked by that. I thought she was just going to be like embracing of Bertie and Booker's relationship, but her sister kind of turned into the role of a mother. I really liked it. I thought that it made her a much richer character rather than being just your hashtag good sister, like best older sister, yeah. supportive, etc. Like it made her much more real, I think, when she had this like visceral reaction to like, oh, I don't want you to date trouble. But she was right. still supportive in other ways. Like she gave Bertie the opportunity to be with Booker She just disapproved. So, I mean, I thought that she was very well balanced. I also generally like when disapproval doesn't just come from, like, one controlling parent that we don't like, but comes from a character that we sympathize with or empathize with. 
Like it makes our protagonist more receptive to that disapproval. So we do get Booker's truth in this book. And I thought it was so interesting to read about his journey from Juvie out into the world again and like recovering his relationship with his father and like you know his mother was so sick when he was away and like it was such a small part of the book but it was so impactful and I would love for there to be like a companion novel about him and his life yeah I don't know I I really appreciate the fact that they told his story in such depth and it wasn't really glazed over like in that scene he was really taking his time giving Bertie all the details. Like it didn't seem like he left anything out. Yeah. And he wasn't, it didn't come across like he was making excuses or come across like it was completely a corrupt system that put him in juvie. There was like a middle ground there. Like he, he did something bad because he assaulted someone, but it's more than anybody looked at him and gave him room to explain Like, it was very rich. I thought it was good, like you said, because it said that he did something bad, but he was tried and treated like a child instead of an adult because his brain was not developed yet because kids don't have all the reasoning faculties that adults do. And that's the whole reason that kids get tried as kids. And, like, clearly Booker was capable of growing and learning and changing. And so it was really good to see that. That is really an interesting point because there is like a version of this where he wouldn't be tried as a kid. Oh, definitely. 13 could definitely be tried as an adult. And that's a scary alternate reality. Especially like a big black kid. It could easily have gone a different way for him. In reference to Booker's past, knowing his story and then listening, like I was actually there, but watching (laughs) or reading about like his interactions with Birdie, there were some times where I was just a little nervous where he would like react negatively because there was like talk about CTE and his dad making him quit the football team and not even watch football. So there were some moments in the novel where I thought, oh, is that going to like come back up again and be another issue um, for Birdie? Like when she was talking about her ex-boyfriend with him or even when Booker saw her ex-boyfriend at that party, like in the back of my mind, I was like, is he going to fight him? Is he going to have another like blackout moment? So I feel like that kind of added to the drama of the story for me personally as I was reading. You saying that reminds me, there was something that I noticed too as I was reading where every time Birdie would step outside of her mother's expectations and the rules... Because I have Mm -hmm. read so many books where that came like crashing down, I kept waiting for that to go bad for her. Like I kept waiting for them to get caught or like waiting for the thing. They they got taken into. Well, yeah, but then it got eclipsed by the whole Carlene's your mother thing. So what I'm saying is like. So much just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go back to that. (laughs) (laughs) But I really appreciate that this book had these like moments of not great choices, but like more or less healthy rebellion that didn't come crashing Mm -hmm. down. But yeah, Carlene's her mom, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! That part was a true shocker for me. I went back today and was rereading some parts of the book and I was like, how did I miss this? (laughs) It didn't come to me until she was eavesdropping on a conversation that Carlene was having with her friend. I forget his name, but she was listening to them have a conversation and she kept saying, she and I can't, I'm getting closer to her and she'll always be mine. I was like, oh, 
Carlene might be your mom. But of course, there's only like 20 pages left in the novel and I didn't realize (laughs) it until then. But even still, when I read it, I was shocked that her parents confessed it. But I think the most shocking part was that her dad is her biological dad. That I did not see coming. (laughs) Did you see that coming? Okay. So (laughs) here's the deal, y'all. You should never read the back of a book because... It's not the author that writes the blurbs and sometimes stuff gets spoiled. So the last line of the blurb on the book is, but when long buried secrets rise to the surface, everything she's known to be true is turned upside down. I'm the only one of the three of us that read the blurb and I was just waiting for that long buried secret and I figured it out pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I figured out that Carlene was her mom pretty quickly, but I I didn't think that, that her father was her biological father. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was just sprinkles on the situation. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> just think sprinkles goes- on your on your family <laughs> trauma. <laughs> and her father being her dad goes back to what we were discussing in the non-spoiler section when um, we were saying how he's more passive. And I think that's why he was. I think he was still kind of like paying penance for oh. this mistake oh. that he made. You know, so like the mom was just she was trying to control everything because she lost control for this section of her life where her husband cheated on her with her sister and had a baby. Oh, and so good. his wife took that baby in and forgave him and, you know, stayed married to him. So I think that, you know, plays into his characterization of him being more passive and just, you know, just trying to save Bertie a little bit and not trying to overstep her mom and step on her toes in any way because he's, he feels like he maybe he still has to pay penance, even though his wife may have forgiven him. You know, there's probably still some guilt on his heart. Yeah, he can yeah. never, ever win a fight. Like, yeah. nope, that always comes wow. back. so good. Yeah. Okay, well, y'all convinced me. I like this book a lot more yeah! now. <laughs> we did it! <laughs> With this book, I feel like you have to read it. And then you have to go back and reread some sections to kind of get everything and put all the pieces together. And it's kind of like how Booker mentions to Birdie that her life is like a puzzle. And now Birdie's like, yeah, it's a puzzle. But now she has all the pieces and they're hers. You know, so this book is, you know, something that you have to really you have to put it together. (laughs) That is so good. And y'all, if we were keeping score, this would be for y'all. But yes, um, I think. The Revolution of Bertie Randolph is definitely a book that belongs in every classroom library. Grab it in the link in our show notes or, you know, via Libby, the cool app, (laughs) or your friend Libby if she's got a lot of books. (laughs) (laughs) That's our show for today, friends. Thank you so much for joining us, Nikea. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. You can find Nikea on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Nikea Jalin. You can find us at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this show, leave us a review on iTunes. Happy reading!